stuff. Praise the Lord. We have this morning in our text, we're in Matthew, uh, Matthew, Mark chapter 5, Mark chapter 5, and um, I've just called it, uh, whatever it takes, faith is the name of the sermon. And again, the Bible is, is filled with, with all kinds of impossible situations, and, and, and the beautiful part is that when you read the Bible, that, that Jesus is the expert, he is the, the master of the impossible to make them to take care of them. He, he handles them with ease, doesn't he? And one of the cases of these impossible things that is recorded in the Gospels for us is found in Mark chapter 5. But of course, this account is also recorded by Matthew and Luke, and that should give us comfort, um, as with many other scriptures, that it gives it that credit, validates what went on in this account, because you have three witnesses who document this in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And of course, with the medical situation going on, you have Dr. Luke who records it. And, um, and he, he can write down about what's going on too. And that adds a different whole angle to it and gives me even more confidence to believe that what the Bible says really happened. Amen? So let's start in verse 25 in Mark's Gospel, chapter 5. And the Bible says, A woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse... After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Verse 29, immediately the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. And verse 30, immediately Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, he turned around in the crowd and he said, who touched my clothes? Who touched my coat? Who be touching me? I don't know, whatever, however you want to say it. (laughs) Who touched my coat? And his disciples said to him, Do you see the crowd pressing in all around you? And you say, Who touched you? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman was fearing and trembling, and she was aware of what happened to her. And she came and fell down before him, and she told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well or whole. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, I have a lot to say, so I'm going to give it into it. But notice some facts about this woman that you are probably already very familiar with that we just read that are right there in Scripture. They're recorded facts, something we can note about this woman. You have to understand first, this woman suffered physically. She suffered physically. Now, let me just... Just as a little reminder about life and what happens in life, whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, there will be suffering in life. It's a part of life. It's a part of life. And this woman points that out. I mean, Jesus suffered, right, in his own way. He he suffered. The disciples and the apostles, they, 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 they suffered. But this woman suffered, and it's a part of life. But look at, for 12 years, she had a physical agony that she was going she was agonizing she was suffering physically it says here that she had this bleeding or a hemorrhage that was going on for 12 years i mentioned in the first service how many of you have had some kind of a physical thing that's really really taxing and tiring and you've had something for 12 years how many you, well you know i should have warned it's okay you can raise your hand if you want to whatever right 12 years 
how many of you have had it for 15, 20, 30, 40 years? Something that is there that is lingering in your body and it wears you out and it makes you tired. It is physically and you suffer physically. A lot of you. Some of us suffer physically for a few days and we feel like we just want to die. When you get slammed with the flu and you're laying there and you can't eat and you're dehydrated and your temperature is 103, well, 102, whatever, and you're just like, oh, let it all end. I can't, you, you feel, but can you imagine? Now, this woman for 12 years, now we don't know exactly, doesn't say, but we can conclude because of the context and because of what's going on and most scholars believe that there was, it was a gynecological problem. Now, we don't know that, but that it probably was. Now, I, I, I can't even comprehend that after 12 years you have bleeding going on. Now, listen, Gary Bowden was here in first service, and he's okay with it. I asked him if I could share it again. He's, he's fine. He, he has had, he had cancer. He had surgery. He had radiation and treatments. And he has been dealing with something for a few months now where every three weeks he goes and he gets a transfusion. Okay? Now, what's happening is he's losing his blood. Not unlike, well, similarly to what's going on with this woman in Mark chapter 5. And when you're losing blood all the time, even if it's small amounts or certain parts of your blood, and you're losing it, it's going away, your body really feels that. I mean weak. When you're losing blood, you get weak. Nutrition isn't being transported to your cells. Water isn't being transported to your cells. Your metabolism is affected. Everything is affected. How your nerves conduct all the signals. And, and it's all affected when you're losing blood. Twelve years. Twelve years. She was suffering physically, but it wasn't just physically. Notice this other fact. She was suffering financially. Look what it says. And in Luke's gospel, he actually makes a point. I'll get to that in a second. But it says here that she had endured much at the hand of physicians. Now, it's funny how the Bible says that. Like, she endured much. Like, you're going to doctor way, and you got to, like, put up with it because he's torturing you for all this time. It's just how it sounds, right? It's, just, it's how it sounds when you read it, right? She had endured much. The point is, she had been at it for a long time, over and over and over, going to doctors, and it's tiring. And she keeps going, and she's worn out. And she says, at the hand of many physicians, not just one, and had spent all that she had. Now, does the Bible lie? She spent all that she had, everything she had, and she was not helped at all. But the Bible actually says she got worse. How many of you have, how many of you have been in that situation? You feel like you've gone to multiple doctors. You've gone to all kinds of treatments. You've spent all kinds of money. You've changed insurances. You've tried a different kind of plan. You did all the different things. And in the end, you're worse off than when you started. And you know what? Let me just say, it doesn't even have to be physical. It could be other things. That you've exhausted resources and you're still suffering and there's a financial burden now and you're suffering and you're agonizing and wondering about paying bills and you're wondering where the money's going to come from to deal with, well, whatever your agony is, your suffering is. She suffered financially. She had nothing left. In fact, Luke, as I mentioned, he mentions in his account in chapter 8 about her that she could not be healed. 
He was a doctor. And he makes a point in his account to say that there could be no cure for her. She couldn't find it. She wasn't just physically and financially suffering. She was also socially suffering. And with her social suffering, there was a spiritual suffering that was connected to it. Now, in Leviticus chapter 15, I didn't make the rules. Okay, just, I'm going to get that out there. But the Bible says that when a woman has this kind of an issue, she is declared unclean. And one of the things was is that she is not allowed to go and worship with God's people in the temple. Twelve years, and we have no reason to believe she wasn't a Jewish woman. We don't know that, but we have no reason to believe that. You know, the idea of the temple and worship as God's people getting together was every, had everything to do with her identity and the identity of Jewish people. The temple and temple worship was everything Jews were about. Well, there's a lot more. The feasts, the festivals, everything that went on when they congregated, got together and assembled. And she was prohibited from being with God, to worship God with other people. But that's so cruel, God. I didn't make the rules. I'm just saying. But God knows what he's doing. He's holy. He has a plan. He has a purpose. And even in this situation, she is outcast. She is put off to the side. She's not looked at the same way. She's different because she's not allowed to get together with us and worship God. Can you imagine doing that for 12 years? Or what if it was even longer? I can't do it. She was prohibited. Can you imagine how that affected her emotionally? What about spiritually? And the fellowship God made us, created us as social beings. And to not have that interaction in the presence of God, worshiping together, and to be able to come with others and sing like we did today at all for 12 years. Some of you would, that would kill you. If you're a musician, that would kill you. If you love to sing, that would kill you. Yeah, you'd sing alone, but it's so much, there's so much more joy in singing with others and the melody, right? And that, that one voice lifting up, and that's how God designed it. She suffered. You know, she needed a miracle. That's what she needed. She needed a miracle. She needed something. Let me just let me change that. Because we, we, when I'm going to say miracle, our, run, our mind runs wild. And we can get into all kinds of weird ideas of what that should be or what that looks like. Can I just, she needed something to change. Let, let's put it that way. She needed Something to change. She wanted something to change. She wanted a change, a transformation to happen. And she was willing to do whatever it takes. She got to that point, and as negative as a term as it is, she got desperate. She got desperate. Whatever it takes. I will go to any length to make sure that I can find a solution to this problem. And all of a sudden, in verse 25, she was willing to do it because look what verse 27 says. It says, after Hearing about Jesus. You see, after you hear about Jesus, that's how change is initiated in your life, in your spiritual life, in your emotional life, in your financial life, because your spiritual life affects everything else and things change. And it's a chain reaction that happens in your life. After you hear about Jesus, and can I even say, after you hear Jesus, things really change and take off in your life. She heard. She heard that Jesus had healed. 
She heard that Jesus was healing. She heard that Jesus taught the truth about the kingdom of God. She heard that he was teaching about the kingdom of God with all wisdom and authority. And she understood that this man was something special. He was awesome. He, I don't know if she knew this, but maybe the son of God, something, he was amazing. There's no one like him. And I heard about what he did and what he can do. When she heard, I don't know if she spoke it out, but she said to herself, man, if I just touch his coat, if I just touch his coat, I'll be healed. Now, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to suspect or assume that she was superstitious. Maybe there was something mixed in with that. I don't know, because people have weird things, you know. In fact, there's a superstition that goes around, and I'm sorry if I offend you. Well, I'm not a sorry, but if you're offended, then you need to really understand how God works, because you, you can't, you can't, he, she didn't say, I have one penny left in Jesus. If I give you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to you, and if I give you my last dime, give me that little bottle of healing water, and then I'll be good. Have you ever gotten that in the mail? That was back in the day. I mean, I remember getting... Or, or how about if, I, if, if Jesus didn't walk around cutting a little piece of his cloak off and saying, this is 15 bucks, and if you touch that and you put it on to wherever you're sick, you'll be healed. I'm not going to limit God. I, I'm, I won't do that. But let me just tell you something. That's not how Jesus usually works. Okay? It's not how he works. And so she hears about him. And you know, how does, how does faith come? Faith comes by... And hearing by the word of God. Who was Jesus? Jesus was the word. In the beginning, he's the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus is walking and hears the word, and she hears and she responds. Something happens in her. And of course, God's in charge of starting all that process in his own amazing, powerful way because of his grace. And she just says, if I touch him, I'll be healed. I, I got nothing to lose. I'll do whatever it takes. It's worth the risk. I've been suffering in all these ways for 12 years, and maybe you're suffering for a longer than even than that with your situation. And I'm not here to promise you anything except that there is a God who can heal, and if he wants to, he will when you reach out to him. Let me ask you a question. Have you, have you heard Jesus? Have you heard? Heard about Jesus? A lot of people did that were around Jesus. They heard about him. They heard all about him. They saw him. They, they experienced him. They were hearing. They heard. They even followed him to hear him and what he was teaching and to observe what he did and the miracles. But here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I, I did mention this at the rescue mission last week when we were looking at this text as well. He, these people and so many people were charmed but they weren't changed. Boy, we love to be charmed. You know, what does it mean to be charmed? I mean, we're so enamored. We're, you know, we get our googly eyes and we're like, ooh, that feels so good. It looks so awesome. It's almost entertaining. And we get, we get, we feel pleasant. We receive something very pleasant and gratifying to either our emotions or our feelings or our senses. And we're like, ooh, wow, it's amazing. I feel amazing around that person. Or that person did something incredible. And we're charmed. But people were, they got close enough to Jesus because they were charmed by his wisdom. If I could use that word and I don't want to use that cheaply or too loosely, but they were charmed by his miracles. John chapter 6 is evidence of that. Jesus says, you seek me, not because basically of who I am and, and because of even the miracles, but because your bellies are full. You got something from me as a residual of what I am and what I did, and that's all you want. You don't really want me. 
You can read John chapter 6 for yourself to confirm that. There are many people in the Bible who are charmed but did not want to be changed. And what that means is that you want to know Jesus and know about how awesome he is and feel good and feel content that you're aware of who he is, but you never want to rub shoulders with him enough that you are changed by him. Oh, man, they were attracted to, and they found pleasure in what they saw, heard, or felt, but there was no action to make adjustments for the better, for their soul or otherwise. She reached out, and she touched Jesus and was made well immediately. Listen, if you're here this morning, casual contact with Jesus Christ isn't the same as a whatever-it-takes faith that reaches out and gets a hold of them. A faith that is determined to get in contact with Jesus. At any cost, I will get there. I have nothing to lose. I need a change in my life, and I'm going for it. Hebrews 11 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? We know that. And that's fine. It's a starting point. We've got to please God. But listen, it goes further. This faith that, that, that is a whatever-it-takes faith is much more than that. You do believe that he exists, but it goes further. It seeks and it leans. It trusts God's character and his ability to do what we or no one else can. You know what a whatever-it-take faith does? When you have that in you, when you have that, it shuts out the screams of fear that insist that you aren't seen by God, that God doesn't care, and that you don't matter to Him, and you go anyway. That's a whatever-it-takes faith. Jeremiah 29, the prophet said, and God says to the prophet, You will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Not casually, not off to the distance, but all in, all the way, you come right up against me. And it's a picture of what Hebrews says, that because of what Jesus did, we run boldly with confidence to the throne room of grace. Right? It says that in chapter 10. We run boldly right to him and we go. And whatever it takes, we make effort, we make time. Are you willing to do that? Are you making excuses in your life, even if you've been struggling with something for all these years, or are you making it happen? And I don't mean that you can manipulate God and he's like this, you know, you're, 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 he's that puppet. I'm not saying that. But faith does something. It causes God to take notice and it does move him. You see that throughout Scripture. Are you making excuses or are you making it happen? Because you want God and you want him to touch you, but man, you're not willing to spend that hour of time because you really want God, but oh, you know what, if I miss the fourth quarter of that football game and God's putting on your heart, I'm not praying, I'm not going to seek in, or I'm going to do that, or you fill in the blank, but you won't. But you want God, but you don't really want God. That's not an all-it-takes faith. That's a casual faith, and I'm sorry to say that, but it really is. And it's a content faith that doesn't want all that God has to offer. I'm going to let you know that God wants you to have all that he has to offer. Why wouldn't he? We're his children, and we have the riches in Christ, and there's so much there. I don't determine what that looks like, but we can have that all, and I'll get to that in a minute. I'm going to move along here. Look at verse 30. Immediately, Jesus perceived in himself that the power came out from him, and he turned to the crowd, and he says, Who touched me? 
Who touched me really after all those people are there? It's because when you reach out by faith and whatever it takes faith and you touch Jesus, really believing that he is the remedy, the solution to your impossible situation or your hopeless condition of your heart that's sinful, that he notices, he notices that faith, he's touched by your faith and he responds compassionately to save you and to help you. I believe that through and through, and I believe the Bible is filled with examples of that. Listen, this morning, there are people sitting here right now, and you may have been a Christian. Maybe you're not a Christian yet, but maybe you are, and I'll get to this in a second. But you're sitting here, and I'm going to tell you, there are people sitting here, you need a transformation in your life now. And I'm not saying that to look down on you. You need a change now. I mean, do you really want to keep going the way you're going? Do you really want to keep staying in that same rut, in that hamster wheel, or in that, that track, that rut that, that is so tiring and wearing you out? And start first with the spiritual. I know we focus on the physical. We get that. But God can do that. But listen, get right and go to God with a whatever-it-takes faith. And you know what he'll do? Man, he will touch you and transform you in a way you never thought possible. Those transformations can happen now. I really believe that today. One touch from the Lord can change everything. Do you believe that? Because I do. I really do believe that. The situation is not hopeless that you're in. Your storm is not hopeless. Your sin isn't even hopeless. Your sickness is not hopeless. And nothing is hopeless with Jesus when you come to him with a whatever it takes faith and you believe with all your heart that he is who he is and in the abundance and the fullness of who he is. You know, I wonder how many of you can identify with this poor woman who was suffering for 12 years this way. Maybe you don't have the same kind of illness, and you probably don't, like her, but you're still filled with suffering and with sorrow. And this nameless, suffering woman, she pictures two types of people. And the first person is every person who does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. She pictures that person. You see, because the lost, it's an amazing. People who are lost, the Bible tells us in Romans that because of, Adam's, because of Adam and his sin in the garden, in chapter 5 and verse 12, that we have all been inherited this. And we have this, we're defiled by this blood disease, and it's called it's a three-letter word. It's called sin. We're defiled by that. We all got it. And you know what it does? It causes internal bleeding that leads to death. And it's, you're suffering, and you have no energy, and you're weak. And if I could say, you're not even really, a, you're like a walking dead, man. You are bleeding out from the inside. You are hemorrhaging. It's all over. You're not living life. You are dying from the moment you are born. You're dead upon Arrival, basically, if I could really take it and stretch it out, the Bible teaches us that. You are hemorrhaging, and no one can stop that in your spirit, in your heart, and it's a condition that the sinner, without Jesus, you can't make better or change on your own, and you've tried everything, and you're still suffering. And people try for so long to search for meaning and to help their condition, but instead of getting better, they only get worse. Their hearts get harder. They become more deeply rooted in their sins and then even brag about it. And all the efforts of self-improvement and religion just don't improve their condition. This poor woman was in sad shape. And she's a picture of what happens in the spiritual until you reach out and Jesus notices you and touches you. And you touch him. But she's also a picture of the believer If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, 
She, you can find yourself in her. Maybe you are a Christian, but you're laboring. You're just struggling. You're, you have this heavy burden in your life. And many of God's children are discouraged and they're defeated today and they feel like things are hard and difficult and you've tried everything in your power, even as a Christian, to get better. You've tried everything you know how to fix your situation. You've read all the books by all the great Christian authors and pastors. You list them all and they're good and they're credible and they're reputable and they're consistent with the Word of God. You've listened to all the preachers and all the sermons on, 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 and, and, and podcasts and whatever else you do. You've got advice from the best of sources, but you're just not better. Your life is messed up as it ever was, you feel. And if that describes you, just keep listening because it just might be that the Lord has some help for your heart today. This woman experienced healing not because she touched his garment, but because she exercised faith in Jesus and his power was released, if I could say it that way. When her faith touched his power, his power changed her life. Do you need to get to Jesus today? What stopped you? Have you been making excuses or are you going to make it happen? Are you going to believe? Are you going to reach out? Are you going to take that step and have God touch you and you touch God and and things transform and change? Maybe you're exhausted and weary and everything's failed. I want to invite you to come to Jesus now. You know, in that crowd that day, there were dozens of people with all kinds of needs But this lady got help because she actually went out and not just wanted to be in the vicinity. She touched Jesus. Don't be one of those people who simply brushes up against Jesus and leaves unchanged. If you need help, come to him. He has the power to change your situation. If you need help, get to him and touch him by faith. Let me me just say, I'm going to remind you again, we've said this before. Man, unless you've heard God say, I'm leaving that condition with you. And then he says what he told Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. You'll make it. Yes, you're going to carry that, but I want to show my power to you. Unless he's told you that, you should keep asking and seeking God for a remedy, a solution, and pressing into him. You know how I know? Because we have a picture of somebody who was praying. That persistent widow in Luke chapter 18. She did not stop bothering that unjust judge until she got what she wanted. That might be you, unless you've heard a clear no. That might be you. Don't stop. Keep reaching out. When you do, Jesus notices. Do you remember Zacchaeus in Luke's gospel? The tax collector? And he had whatever it faith takes faith. He couldn't get to Jesus. He was short. The crowds were there. And he couldn't. He ran ahead and climbed up this tree. I mean, that was the most undignified for someone of his stature socially to do. And he climbs the tree. And when he does that with a whatever it takes faith, who notices him? That's right. Jesus notices him. Jesus notices when you have a whatever-it-takes-faith. In other words, you want to get to Jesus. He will notice that. He gives you the faith in the first place. Notice one last thing. When Jesus heals her and he realizes that it's been her and she tells him everything that happened, he gave her the opportunity to testify, he calls her something that is so drastically different from what she had experienced all those 12 years in her own culture. He says, daughter... Daughter, my son, my child, your faith has made you well or whole. You know, it's really unfortunate, and I don't know, man, it bothers me. It really does, because when you read the actual language in the Greek, and every translation, I don't care if it's King James, New King James, NAS, whatever it is, and you read it, it says, whole or well. The word there says, your faith has saved you. 
Why don't we just put that in there? It's the word. It's the Greek word that says your faith has saved you. And he's referencing right here, her spirit or soul, the deepest thing. And you know what? When she's seeking that and she's seeking him out, her faith comes in contact with the Savior, the Lord of the universe, the ultimate authority in all, of anything that exists. And she comes in context, and when she touches him, Jesus notices and says, my son, my child, you're made well. Your, your faith has touched me, and I, I've touched you. I've healed your soul. You're made whole. And then he goes on, and he says, and now you can go in peace. And then he says, be healed of your affliction. Do you know, that if the God who was so far off, and she was off to the side, seemingly impossible, it seems seemingly impossible that God would take notice of you and of your affliction and your sin and any other agony that you're experiencing. He notices you when you seek Him with a whatever-it-takes faith. Whatever it takes. You know, so many people, they want, they want God's hand, but they don't want his face. But I'm going to tell you, when you seek God's face and you seek who he is, his person, who he really is, you get his hand too. Oh, man. He touches your heart, and then you get all the other stuff that comes with it. It could be your healing physically. It could be provision in different ways that you never thought. Where are you at today? I close with a story. There's a story, I don't know if it's true, came across it, but there's a really frugal guy, and no, his name is not Bob Geruda. But there's a story about a really frugal guy who lived in a very rural area, and he had ordered after, he was later in his years, after so many years, he finally ordered and received a connection to electricity. And after some time, the power company noticed, after several months, after sending out bills to him, that his monthly bill was like minuscule. I mean, it was like a few bucks for the whole month. And they're like, this is so weird. I mean, how could, how could it possibly be they were sending him a bill for like 238 you know? Like, what's up with that, you know? And so they came out, they reached out, and they asked him, how could this be? Like, what are you doing? How come your electricity bill is like 238 and 298 a month? And what are you doing? What's happening? Like, we just hooked you up like six months ago. And so the man looked at him, and he's talking to him, and he says, listen, guys, he goes, this, is, this, is, this is how I do it. He says, when it gets really dark, I wait till it gets dark, and he says, man, I put my light on, that one light on in my kitchen really fast, and I put that light on to find my candle and light all the other ones. <laughs> and it's such a tragic picture of what you might be like today. I'm being serious. Because it breaks my heart, and even my own, like when I think about myself, that we could be just like this man. That we can be the same way as Christians. We have the immediate access to great power. But we choose not to use it or to tap into it, if you will. Listen, don't be that man today. Don't. Because in, in, in the spiritual your frugality may be causing you to miss out on the abundance that Christ has to offer. And you know what? Why? Because I don't want to pay 50 bucks a month for electricity. It costs you something. It costs you time. It costs you energy to connect to Jesus. you got to read the Word, as Pastor Dan said a couple weeks ago. you got to read that. Why wouldn't you want to? And get everything that God has for you and learn His direction, His power that He has available for you in your life. 
Why wouldn't you? But nah, too much time. Oh, I'm too tired. I don't feel, oh, they called me. Oh, I got to do this extracurricular activity. I got to do that. What matters more? Do you really want to tap in and get connected to the ultimate source of the most powerful source of energy in the entire universe or not? That's up to you. And you know what it takes? It takes whatever it takes, faith. Whatever it takes might mean, and it might take you giving up something. Time-wise, money-wise, activity-wise, relational-wise, whatever. But you need to tap in because it's right there. Don't be that frugal guy. Will you? Today, right now, reach out in the midst of your impossible situation with a whatever-it-takes faith. I don't know where you're at, but I want you to know that when you do, Jesus will notice. I'm going to pray. And I know it's hard to do. It's right at 12.15. But if you need to leave, please leave quietly. But man, if you want prayer or if you're willing to do whatever it takes and spend even two minutes at the altar, just you go to God. I'm not even going to... You just, you just go out there and say, Lord, I'm, I'm coming to you. i got to get a hold of you. Do it. And don't do it just here. Do it the rest of the day, tomorrow, and every day. Come to the altar for a few minutes. Reach out to Jesus. We sang that song. His grace is here. Reach out. Reach out. We sang that. He'll notice you and touch you and transform your life. Amen? Lord, thank you for this word today. Lord, I thank you for this woman who encourages us and challenges us to have a whatever-it-takes faith. Lord, we have done so much in our own strength and energy and with all the connections we have with different resources. And Lord, still, some of us struggle and we're, we're, we're just in agony emotionally, spiritually, and physically, financially, other things. Lord, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden life gets like amazing and everything's rosy and perfect, but that, Lord, you can transform and that we can tap into the abundance that you have for us. So God, I pray that would be reality today for souls here. God, I pray for those souls who have not come to you and asked you for your salvation, that they would do that with a simple faith in, their, in the desperation of their soul, that you would cleanse them, that you would heal them, Lord God, and that they would know you as Lord and Savior and they would hear you call out to them, you're my son, you're my daughter. And Lord, I pray for those who are your sons and daughters today. Lord, I pray they would reach out to you and they're struggling. And in their struggles, God, that they would hear you say the same thing. My son, my daughter, I haven't left you. Reach out to me. My grace is sufficient and it's abundant. And I will give you everything you need. So God, I pray, Lord, today for your healing touch, your provisional touch, your guiding touch, Lord, in the lives of your children, your people today, Lord. And may it come as a result of a whatever-it-takes faith. Help us to count the cost and then go after you. We love you, Lord. Thank you for coming after us, after you counted the cost, and we are forever grateful for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. Have a great day. You want prayer or you want to seek God, come on up here. Leave quietly, please.